Well, welcome again to everybody to the St. Thomas More Newman Center. Grateful to have started the week. It's a, a new experience for me, and I know for those of you who are freshmen, certainly to be in this position. Uh, but for all of us, when we come back to a full week of doing something after having had a long break, it requires a new energy. And so we come here asking that the Spirit might give us the energy that we need to live life to its fullest, to recognize the gift of every moment, and to live the certainty that he knows every moment of our day. I'm grateful for these days. Uh, And those of you who maybe don't know me, I'm Father John Rutten. I spent eight years in the Sioux Falls area. I spent two in Yankton, and I spent four right here on this campus from 1996 to 2000. Never imagining that those days were just a preparation for the days that we now live When preparing for the homily, the reading sort of struck me as very, very appropriate to all of us this weekend, to these days that we've been living. They, like, couldn't be better. Because every single one of us, in a sense, have left a people that you know well. Right? All of you have lost your place at a table. Maybe you're not playing volleyball for the first time in years. Maybe you've been to classes now or in the muck and you realize you're not the only beautiful person that's in the room. Maybe you've been in conversation with somebody who seems to one-up you or knows more than you. And you're not used to having someone smarter than you. Maybe you're not the only class clown anymore. Or maybe in your life you're the shy one who likes to just find your little place and dwell there. And suddenly there's like a thousand faces everywhere you turn. Your place at the table is now, my friends, up for grabs. And the question for each one of us is, in light of these circumstances, what do we do? What will you do now that you don't have the place that's so familiar to you? The question really is one of two options. You can grab for the same place that you had before. You can grasp to hold on to who it was that you were. Or you can recognize I'm at a table that I don't understand and I don't know where to sit. And be patient with yourselves and be patient with others and be patient with God for him to show you where it is you belong. So in this disposition, how is it that we live this? How do we let the circumstances, how do we let God tell us where it is that we belong? First, we must pay attention to what our desires are, right? What do you authentically want out of life? Right? The thing that you're grasping for is just a door to go deeper. And instead of trying to deny it or kick yourself or shame yourself for whatever it is you desire that isn't giving you what you want, go deeper, I remember when I went to seminary for the first time. I have 
I'm like a social butterfly if you haven't figured it out. It took like everything in me to decide that I couldn't go to the swing dance last night. I was like, <laughs> kid, like you got to be fully present tomorrow morning. You've had five days of like total extrovertedness. When I did a test at the university here, you know, I was on like all these councils and they do all these tests and uh, they brought this company in or whatever. And this lady looked at the results of my personality test. She was like, I've never tested someone so extroverted as you. (laughs) Right? So I'm in like a heyday here. But I go to seminary. And when I'm there, there's a group of guys that go get coffee all the time and they always walk by my door. And inside, I'm like, how come you don't stop and ask me? I want to go. I want to be included. And then later on, I'd go and have coffee by myself and then kind of sulk. But go deeper. What is it that I desire? Yes, I desire a cup of coffee. Yes, I want to be knocked. But what I really want is a friend. What I really want is to belong. What I really want is someone to notice me. Go deeper. Don't stop at the thing that you initially desire. Your desire is way bigger than the thing that you're provoked by. Secondly, acknowledge the circumstances that you're in. Right? You have to accept things as they are. I, uh, when I came to the seminary, sort of had already lost my career, was really humiliated, sort of felt like I was about this big, thought, well, I know how to make sandwiches really well. I could probably get a job at Subway again. Um, you know, I made like a fortune and then I literally inside, I thought I'm like nothing and, uh, and sort of just relinquished it all. And I go to the meet with this director of the vocations and he's like, yeah, we're going to send you to this seminary. And they got this new program of spiritual formation and it's kind of new in the United States. And you're going to spend a whole year in the spiritual life and growing. And like in me is like, awesome. This is going to be great. I'm going to go to one of the best seminaries. They're on the vanguard of what's happening. They're forming us in the spiritual life. I was so grateful. I was so excited that God would put me in these circumstances. And then, way late, another seminarian from the diocese but not living here had a call sort of prompting in a way in which he was like, I think I'm supposed to join you guys at the seminary. And the vocation director said, ah, I want the two of you. You're both a little older. You're both the same kind of circumstance. I want you guys to study together. And they didn't have room for one more at that seminary. And he sent both of us to what is considered the old person seminary for the United States. (laughs) No! I mean, if you want bottom of the rung, if you want the last seat, nobody talks about this seminary. Nobody wants to go there. What are your circumstances that you don't want, but God is calling you to? You know, the difficult part about our relationship with Christ is that we're free. And he only gives us those four circumstances so often. But 
He desires you to be here every Sunday. That sometimes corrects our life. That sometimes calls us to something that initially we're like, no. Are we open to taking a seat that isn't our plan? In a really strange way, I didn't plan this, but as I was asking you all to move in, I was like, this fits my homily perfectly. Take a different seat than the one you just sat in. Move over, please. Right? But isn't that a correction for us? Is it? Maybe you don't mind being told that, but I know sometimes I'm like, don't tell me where to sit. Right? I go to this retreat one time, and they literally usher you in and tell you where to sit. Nobody does that. But they do it for this exact sense, to learn to just take a place you're given because so many of us think life is up to us. I'm going to sit where I want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to talk to who I want. I'm going to go where I want. And then we don't think that God knows us and what we really want. And we don't see how God wants to do something beyond what our plan is. But he does if we'll pay attention to the circumstances we're in. Who lives on your dorm floor is not a coincidence. God has something in store for you there. Maybe the troubled things that happen there remind you of what it is that you don't want. Or maybe the trouble you get in reminds you that you aren't maybe as self-sufficient as you want. Or maybe the incredible friends you're going to make. You may have a friend on your floor or in the place that you live that you will have when you're 68 years old. Thank God for the circumstances and taking a new seat. And the third thing, in order to recognize a new place that we're we're being given, is to pay attention to the sting, the bite, I call it. Right? Whenever we're getting a new seat, there's always a, like, uncomfortability. So many of us run from those places. But that's God. When you're uncomfortable in the new group of people, it doesn't help to run. When you're provoked by somebody that's different than you, it doesn't help to ignore them. They may be the means that God is trying to reach you and help you grow. The stings, those moments that guide us, sometimes are the sacraments of confession and the ways in which he wants to start us again. Or maybe it's an invitation to a group or a Bible study or retreat or to mass or something like that. And you're kind of like, eh, right there. That's the thing. Eh, do it. Go and see what happens. And when we see what happens, we begin to see the fruit of the humility that allows us to take a seat that we don't choose on our own. You will see a fruitfulness in your life that is way beyond what you could plan or do or know what is good. The gifts of the people around you will begin to astonish you. And in a surprising way, these people will become your friends. And you will find a home away from home. And you will have experiences in your life that you couldn't imagine. One of the things that I most loved when I was previous to the religious life was that I traveled wherever it is that I wanted. And I felt like becoming a priest, I was giving that all up again. But you know what happened 
out at that bottom-rung seminary. I was placed on an interstate two hours from New York City and two hours from Boston. I visited Vermont and a group of religious monks in the hills of an incredibly beautiful land. I visited a religious group of women that sang like nothing I have ever heard in my life. I visited with people who were struggling with alcoholism and addictions and church basements and places that still I can smell and remind me of God's grace. I know a country and a place that I never would have known before. And in a surprising way, I never would have known that many professors today at the Ivy Leagues can't teach the things that are really true. It didn't just start this last year. It's been going on. And so as little hobbies, some of the finest professors in the entire country would travel from Boston and New York and the areas around and come to this little unknown seminary and teach philosophy and theology to seminarians because it was their desire to. And I received some of the finest formation one could imagine in the intellectual life. And I also received some great formation in how to clean bathrooms. And that, my friends, has come in very handy in the last few days. Instead of the spiritual part of the formation, most seminaries one day a week have like a formative thing. This seminary had us clean the place in which we lived. I never imagined the good that that would do for me the way in which it would educate me to care for the place in which I dwell and to give back in ways that are often unclean and unknown. At that seminary was a professor who had a love for music, and she said one day, everybody can sing. And inside my heart I said, that's not true. (laughs) And then she corrected herself and said, not everyone can sing really well but everyone can sing. And so I mustered up enough courage to transcend a twirling set of stairs to her office room and knocked on that door and reminded her what she said in class that day and said, I want you to prove yourself. And that woman is the reason that maybe I don't sing well, but I have the courage to sing to God and give him what he gave me, and to encourage all of you to do the same. And that woman told me that there was some music being played at Yale Symphony Orchestra, and she wanted all of us to go. And because of her, I took a risk and took a seat that I never would have taken in my entire life to listen to a symphony orchestra. And little did I know that Beethoven's Ninth Symphony would erupt from that place. And my heart would erupt with a grace that I never planned. And today, 16 years later, if you turn the radio on in my car, it's a 50-50 chance. It's classical music. 
What a gift the fruits of this life are. But the secret that the Lord is trying to help us understand in the readings today is that when we come to the root of what it is we want, we discover the person who gives us the seat. And when you discover the person of Jesus Christ, you discover any place you want to put me, Lord, is beautiful. Because there you find a person who looks upon you and says, you are beautiful to me. And there you find a person that says, you are a friend to me. And there in Jesus Christ, we find the person who helps us know that we belong.